It's a good, good Friday. It's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? We're we're mocking Good Friday. No, we're not. We're celebrating it with a uh, song. With a Chris Tomlin song. Yeah. Uh, it's it, not a Chris Tomlin song. It's a house fire song. I thought he wrote it. No, he copied it just like he copies everything else. Just like everything else. Yeah. <sighs> he takes something good and he's... And he makes it a little worse, and Christians love it. Yeah, I don't, I, I never owned any of his CDs or anything like that, so I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, mad. It's I'm not, mad. No, not in my wheelhouse. Either. Anyway, it's Good Friday, everybody. Happy Good Friday. This is the day that if you would have lived two thousand years ago, you would have crucified Jesus too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, guys, we got a really fantastic episode for you, and. It's Easter weekend. the The theme of Easter weekend is the resurrection, and it's it's the biggest holiday in all of Christendom. Even though you know people say that, I still think Christmas is bigger. But no, this is it, dude. I know it is, but in in reality, in our society, which one is which one is more money, more thought put into? Oh yeah, I mean Christmas. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. That's what but, I'm getting at. But Easter's a big deal too. Easter is should be the biggest deal. Yeah, and we're going to we're going to celebrate the whole weekend by having this discussion about sex. Oh. Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't see it going that way. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about sex today, Alex. We're talking about sex. 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 I'm not going to say it again. Okay. Sex. <laughs> we have Let's say it again. We, we're going to be talking about sex, but before we talk about sex, before we get into our interview, Jason, mm-hmm. you wanted to give a shout out to a very special person. Yes, my wife, Jessica, who hates when I call her Jessica. Jessica Lynn Duncan. Yeah. I don't know what her middle name is. It's Lynn. It is? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just pulled that out of my butt. Dude, you know her pretty well. I don't know Shauna's middle name. I'll tell you later. I'll okay. tell you when you're older. Okay. Yeah, dude, she had, I mean, we've been going through these terrible weeks, and she had a terrible day on top of it. My youngest, Rex, has asthma pretty bad, and he's having this weird, crazy flare-up, and then, you know, you do the whole dance where you take him into the ER, and, you know, they send you back out the door, and then it just keeps getting worse, and then he pukes all over the car, and, like, she just wanted that moment. She just wanted to go work out and just have that moment to herself, you know? And she didn't even get that in a day. And yet, here she lets me come do this, you know. We almost had to cancel you being a part of the interview. Yeah. I mean, I was willing to do that for her because her, her day was that crappy. I'm and, thankful you didn't do it. But. Well, uh, yeah, but like in the whole scheme of things, this podcast isn't worth it. Like, Yeah. And she made this episode happen just by letting me come and be a part of it. And I just wanted to say thank you to her for doing that because she is the strongest woman I know being a stay at home stronger than she Hulk yeah that's pretty impressive is it She-Ra no it's she Hulk what's She-Ra that's He-Man yeah that's He-Man masters of the universe yeah well she's stronger than all of them put together including Wonder Woman yeah because being a stay at home mom is a hard job it's a crazy hard job and she does such a good job at it And I just want to say, from the bottom of my heart, that I love you, Jess, and thank you. And now we're going to talk about sex (laughs) on our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, this is is not your pastor's sexual faithfulness episode. 
Insert plug for not your pastor's pulpit. (laughs) Guys, this is the part of the show where we talk about not your pastor's pulpit and how awesome it is and how you should be a part of it. Absolutely. So later in the episode, we're going to be talking about the month of women that we're doing. Mm -hmm. But if you're a female out there that wants to contribute to not your pastor's pulpit, please do so. Do not hold anything back. Just because it's a quote unquote you know, audio pulpit, like doesn't mean that you should be afraid of it. So please send in your stories. Or if you're a guy, like please anybody send in your sermon. So we've had lots of people on, on the, not your pastor's pulpit project, basically sharing stories, sharing sermons. We've had Matt McDonald from don't feed the trolls podcast. We had Holly from method theology podcast. We had Brandon Andrus from the Outside the Walls podcast. We had Jed from Church and Other Drugs. So a bunch of different, just people from all over the United States, all different backgrounds, sharing their Jesus-centric story. And they've been incredible. Yes. In this upcoming week, we have one another podcaster who's, these. I mean, these guys are hilarious. The Inglorious Pastors. We yep. talked about them a bunch of times on our show. But Brad Polly from the Inglorious Pastors is he's going to share his Jesus centric story. Yeah, I mean he he lays out he gets serious and talks about his ministry and his failures and the redemption that God brings through it and it's just it's really powerful. I absolutely cannot wait to share it with everybody. But anyway, guys, we got a great interview as well. Look forward to the Brad Polly uh, not your pastor's pulpit episode. But we got this episode cooking right now, so here we go into the interview. Brian Sands, everybody. All right, guys, we're here with Brian Sands. What's up, Brian? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Orange County, California. Oh my goodness! Orange County, you're our second Orange County guest. Wow, who was the first? Keith Giles, author of the book uh, Jesus Untangled. Oh, awesome! Yeah. So we had Brian on because you know what our our episode on porn did so well. Why don't we talk about sex? So <laughs> <laughs> we found Brian or Jason, you found Brian, didn't you? Yeah. You have this book out that's out this month, correct? Yeah. Uh, it's, it actually released early on Amazon and it's selling really well. Uh, technically tomorrow is the release date. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting. Nice. Everyone loves sex. So why wait? <laughs> I got it. Like the title got me, and then the, the subtitle is a discussion in sexual faithfulness. Yeah, it, this is something that I find like completely intriguing for me because I might be in that camp. And I know, well, I'm sure most people are in the camp rather than not. I did not wait to have sex. Oh, you before. didn't wait? No, I didn't. Alex. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, we told everybody we did. You know, <laughs> I, I need to find a different. I need to find a different <laughs> podcasting host. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. I know. I didn't wait either. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In my defense, I wasn't saved, though. Oh, there, it's okay then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what my wife said. She's like, I understand. Because I, I had to eventually, you know, when I started dating my wife, I had to eventually tell her, like, uh, I'm not a virgin. Just want to let you know that I'm damaged goods. And she's like, damaged goods, Alex. <laughs> She's and like, what did she say? She said she forgave me, which was a really cool experience. 
Yeah. But at the same time, she's like, I also know that you didn't know any better because you didn't know Christ. And wow. So she's like, I forgive you. And then that kind of led to her asking a ton of questions and even her feeling a little bit insecure about herself. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We had to, we had to work through some stuff. Not a, yeah. But. Yeah. See my, my wife, um, she is the only girl that I've ever even kissed, but what? we, we did, you know, like we went too far, I guess. I think like everybody does, Kind of the everything but, you know. Yeah, we yep. did. We did everything but have sex, and then you know, it, we we. Like, what do you mean crossed, by what do you mean by virgin? Line. Do you just mean like regular sex? I guess I didn't do that, but <laughs> no, I had kind of like I had kind of reasoned in my mind at the time, like, well, we're gonna get married. What what difference does whether the piece of paper that says we're married yeah. is signed or not? And then, you know, I'm scouring the Bible looking for biblical accounts, like <laughs> what you know. Just crafting this theology that, you know, lets me have sex, basically, before I'm married. And, and like, for the longest time, I, I lived in that, and I was in that zone. We got married stupid young, too. I was 20, and she was 18. Woo! I know it. And, I mean, I couldn't even book... I couldn't even book our honeymoon because I wasn't 21. <laughs> and we just wanted to go to the stinking Great Wolf Lodge and <laughs> couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't book it. But I could say like seven years down the road, um, which we're still married now, 11 years. Oh, dang it. Will it be 12? It's okay. 12, yes. 12, it's okay if you don't know. 12, 12 years this coming August. <laughs> In year seven, um, you know, I haven't hidden this on our podcast. We hit a really rough and rocky patch, and we had to see a marriage like counselor therapist. Yeah, and this topic was revisited. Um, Did we have sex before we were married? I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? We've been married for seven years. We've got two kids. You know, we got another one on the way. Why are we talking about this? You know, all the way down the line, and it turns out that. Yeah, that did have a big impact on our relationship. Wow. Early on. Yeah, and I would have never ever guessed that, but I got to a point where I was like, man, if say for say it didn't work out between us. You know, here I am so in love with this girl, but say it didn't work out. Well, then you know, we both have to live with all this kind of sexual guilt. Yeah. That was that wasn't there, you know, prior and it, it it really did have a huge impact on me. And of course, out of that, as I talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago on our porn episode, there was a whole porn addiction there and a whole lot of insecurity and a whole lot of, it was almost yeah. like started seven years in and it's like starting all over again. Wow. And, yeah. And, and we were Christians, you know, we, we should have known better, better, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thoroughly convinced we didn't have a good working grasp of what the gospel was, what redemption was or, Anything of that yep. nature, and you know, until we found a new church and started working that. Like I always tell everybody that that therapist was a godsend. Wow, because <laughs> he yeah. like, he reoriented our whole relationship through the gospel. And then I'm watching my buddy Alex here get married years later. I'm like, dang it! I wish I would have known all that stuff when I got married. Like, <laughs> wow, right, right. Like, it, yeah, it was just this this huge like. Um, I don't know. I almost felt jealous in a way. Oh well. Yeah, like hearing you guys at your don't wedding. Don't worry. And, don't worry. Yeah, we got, we had a, we have our own crap to deal with. Yeah. But anyway, oh everybody. So does. Brian, tell me, 
Are the kids out in California as horny as the kids in Michigan? Oh, no. Well, <laughs> I would say, yeah. <laughs> if not more so. So I, I don't want to give too much of your book away, but you, you do spend part of the book kind of describing a little bit about yourself. So I guess yeah. the question we have to ask the question, did you wait? Man, did I wait? Of course I did. No, I, I didn't. <laughs> you guys are telling me your stories are not waiting. Heathens, you know? Yeah. How dare you guys talk to me? No, no, I didn't wait. I I, um, I, I hooked up with some girl when I was 15, 14. 14. Wow. Some man. random girl. Um, I had a, there's actually five girls I met at one, one, at one time. And that I mean, I just met them at one time yeah. and I, I got, <laughs> just, just to clarify. Yes. And I, and I, I got my little, uh, notepad and pen and I went down the line and I asked for all their phone numbers and they gave me their phone numbers as a 14 year old boy, man. I didn't know anything. And I say, Hey, hey what's up? My name is Brian. Can I have your number? And they all gave them to me. And then one girl, Play um, I uh, found out she liked me or whatever, and then you know one thing led to another, and then and we kind of hooked up, and then that was about that, and then um, nothing magical, nothing. It was just what it was, um, and then a year later is when I made this commitment to sexual faithfulness, and that was when I was 15, and then um, I got this bracelet. It was the classic True Love Weights series and all that stuff. Um, I mean, I think in, in in the '90s it had its moment. It was yeah. it was it worked. You know, nowadays if you try to do that, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. It's just you know, use words like purity and words like abstinence, and those words have so much baggage nowadays. Um, and so, 15 years later, I was able to cut that bracelet off. But but it worked for me, though. I will say that it worked for me. You know, um, uh, and that's interesting. A lot of the research um, that's come out of that True Love Weight series. Um, shows it wasn't effective. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I started, you know, this, this project mm. here. I wanted something that's more of a holistic approach. But, but for me, it did work. I will say that because, because when I was 15, made this commitment, had a bracelet symbolizing that I was going to wait for my wife. And then when I was 30, um, got married. So from 15 to 30, I had this bracelet on. And I was able to cut it off at the wedding altar and then give it to my wife, um, uh, at the altar saying, you know, ever since I got this, I've saved myself for you. And uh, it was a beautiful moment. Yeah, that's a special cool. moment. Let me ask you this, because I was probably right around that age when I lost my virginity. Yeah. So you lose your virginity and then you make this commitment. How hard was it to like keep the commitment? Because, I mean, for me, it was like I'm a Christian now because, you know, when I had sex for the first time, I was not a Christian. And then I meet Jesus and my whole life completely changes. And now yep. I'm like, I hear all these, <laughs> I hear all the kids in youth group talking about, can't wait till I can get married because I can have sex. <laughs> and, and then it's like, I'm like, yeah, just wait, guys. But at the same time, I was kind of like, I kind of want to have sex again, but I'm going to wait for my wife. So, <sighs> so was it hard to wait? Like I, for our listeners out there that maybe are in the same position, like. It's like, I mean. Once you've been to the well, it's hard not to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, guys. I mean, I, I had this girl uh, that I dated, really attractive girl, but, but she stopped dating me because I wanted to sleep with her. Um, and uh, um, I shouldn't have been dating her in the first place, though. Um, Missionary you know, dating. Like, 
kind of yeah dating evangelism whatever yeah. you want to call it <laughs> i'm going to save her for the kingdom yeah <laughs> and 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 golly man and it's just like it was so challenging so difficult um because i yeah so it was not easy at all and 15 years seemed like a, a an eternity 15 yeah. years seemed like i mean forever i'm thinking how long can I hold off on this? And I'm thinking, uh, I was actually just in Mexico um, for, for a week building some homes down there. And one of my students, um, I work at uh, Hope International University in Fullerton. I'm the campus pastor here. And uh, he, he was like, you know, he said, Brian, and um, he goes, he goes, my, you know, our, my, you know, I feel like biology, we're ready to go. So why, why even wait? You know, I'm ready. So I might as well just kind of give in to the urges because biologically he's ready. And then I talked to him though. I said, but emotionally and spiritually, you know, are, are you ready? Um, because once you've been down that road, it is, it is definitely difficult, but, but that's when you guys surround yourself with a good community, uh, put some good, um, uh, boundaries, uh, in your life and all that stuff. And then once I started dating my wife, Man, we had to put all these crazy boundaries on so we wouldn't wouldn't fall into that trap again. Yeah, you got to put up all the road blockers. Yeah, like you. Yeah, could... I, I was. Yeah, it's crazy. I was thirty or twenty nine when we were dating, and and like I owned my own place, and we had to put boundaries. Like <laughs> I was ordained ordained pastor, you know, my own place, and I had a roommate, and like like we had silly like they're not silly boundaries, they're good boundaries, but it's like. She couldn't be in the house alone with just her and I. So, so if my roommate wasn't there, we'd go to a coffee shop. Um, we we bought Disneyland passes, so we'd spend a lot of time at Disneyland just to be on the outside because they're yeah. really going to have you know. I'm you so know, jealous I, right now. Yeah, I know I'm what? so jealous that your boundary was. Geez, sweetheart, we got to go to Disneyland again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we went we went a lot too. And it was it was when it was when passes were affordable too cuz now, you know, it's like $600 or something for it. It's ridiculous. It's crazy, man. So I don't know how people do it, especially if they have kids. Like goodness gracious. I'm just looking at you on the Skype call and I'm trying to picture you dressing as unattractive as you can like <laughs> in a turtleneck and like <laughs> in the summer, I'm like, you know. Hey baby, what's up? <laughs> Oh, man. So as I kind of mentioned before, I had all this like kind of bad theology that I worked up. So I, I, the question is, is what is so magical about that signed piece of paper that says you're married being <laughs> you know the what? defining yeah. point of when you can have sex and when you can't have sex? Yeah, I mean, the moment you sign it, um, the heavens open up and yep. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> um, you, you, you know, one of the best compliments I have ever received from my wife was that was this. And um, and one of the videos we do on, on my website, um, uh, she I think she talks about this. She, she said, Brian, because you're able to make that commitment and follow through with it, I don't question you're going to cheat on me. Don't question you're going to leave me. And I don't have to be worried about being compared to all these other women. Yeah. And and so for me, the value is that I, my wife has more security in our relationship because of this commitment that I made. Um, and so so all everything else aside, I think for me, that in and of itself is a strong enough we, reason to, to, to weigh. There's plenty of other reasons I, and that we'll get into. But, but that 
by itself for me is like, okay, wow. Like that, that spoke volumes to me when she told me that years ago. And it was one of the most powerful things she's probably ever told me. Um, and, and, um, and even for those who have messed, who, you know, have messed, have had multiple sexual partners, it doesn't mean you can't have a fulfilling sexual life. It doesn't mean you can't have a fulfilling relationship because there's redemption and there's healing and there's all these things. You know, I remember as a youth pastor, I used to do this stupid illustration. Like, I wish I could go back to my old youth pastor self and punch me a hundred times. But I do yeah. this illustration where I get a rose and I, and I say, look at this rose. Every time you hook up or every time you kiss somebody, it's like you give part of yourself away, you know. And I, you know, I'd have the music down, the, the lights would be uh, down and then the music, you know, would be, you know, the, the feel good music, you know, the yeah. Christian thing to do. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. And so I would be, I'd be plucking off all these roses, you know, every time you kiss somebody, every time you hook up with somebody, it's like giving, you know, piece of you away. And then, and then when you get to the wedding altar, altar what do you have to give your spouse? And I'm like, nothing. And oh, then, like, man. you hear, like, these tears coming. I'm like, yeah, I got them. God oh, is good. No. <laughs> And, and, and the point is, and Matt Chandler has a great video on, on this, you know, the, the, the point is, is that who wants you know, that, uh, the point is that, that what do you have to give? You have everything to give because God can redeem you. God can forgive you. God can restore you. Yeah. And that's the message of this, of this book here is no matter what you've done, you could always commit to sexual faithfulness because it's about being faithful to your future spouse or your current spouse now, regardless of your past and your past doesn't have to dictate your future. And so I wish I'd go back to my old youth pastor self, punch me a hundred times yeah. and say, what the heck are you doing, man? In other words, probably. And, and, and because I think, that type of language creates um uh it creates hurt it creates um you you know just these feelings of of inadequacy and that's not the message of the cross at all so going back a little bit talking about the quote-unquote piece of paper the marriage license yeah uh, so when i got married uh you know, after the hustle and bustle of the wedding and the reception and all that jazz, uh, my wife and I, we got in our car and we, we headed out to start our honeymoon and I don't, I'm not going to say anything else about that, but, uh, <laughs> no, go into detail. so, while, so <laughs> my wife, sorry, sorry, my no. wife and I are in Colorado. We, we, so that's where we had our honeymoon. We went to, we went to Denver, Colorado for the first part of it. And all of a sudden, my wife gets this text message from her friend, and it's a copy of our marriage license. And she's like, I saved this from the trash oh, from no. the reception. Somebody was going to throw it away. You're kidding me. And, Somebody threw away your marriage license? And also, at the same time, the pastor who married us didn't sign it. And so... After everybody found out that we didn't sign that the pastor didn't sign the marriage license, they were like, "Your marriage isn't official. Have you guys had sex yet? You guys shouldn't be you're having ki- sex." You're kidding me. No, you're kidding me. No, absolutely. <laughs> Fornicating. Thanks. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, I worked. But that's what we started getting. We started getting all these text messages like, "You guys are fornicators and sinners." Like, because <laughs> the marriage license isn't. And then my Just wife ruining your honeymoon. My wife was like, "Wait." Are they for real? Like, should we not? I'm like, no, we are <laughs> no. having sex. <laughs> but well, so <laughs> I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No, I can just picture you opening up my card. I got you with the monster truck. And it would be like, we can't have sex. And Jason got us a card with a monster truck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thankfully, I worked for said pastor that officiated our wedding. So yeah. somebody was able to drive it by the office and he signed it and it was legal. <laughs> but 
so I go to that and I'm like, you know, if I was super legalistic, I would have probably said, you know what, we probably shouldn't have sex because the paper right. isn't signed. Right. But I didn't do that. And so I, I have to say that part of that is because there's this, I have these chemical impulses in my brain that want me, that, that is telling me like, hey, this girl's pretty and I'm married, we should have sex. <laughs> So yep. what, tell us a little bit about what chemically goes on in our brains and like how how that how God I guess wired us. To yeah, think. and the attachment aspect of that too. Yeah, I tell you what, man, it's it's crazy. Like the more psychologists I learn about psychology in our brain, the, the powerful. Like you know, you talk about this. You know, the 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 chemical. Chemically talking about there is called dopamine. That's the uh, got to get it hormone. That's like you know, you see a chocolate cake, you got to have it. That's like, oh, you just got married and you're in your hotel room. You know, you got to say hello. <laughs> and that's dopamine. <laughs> and you got to, you got to, that's, that's, that's dopamine. And, and, and so we have all these chemicals released during, um, uh, sex. And, um, and the biggest one, um, I mean, without going through all the lists of them, like they're all pretty cool, but the biggest one is, is oxytocin and it's called, uh, it's been dubbed the cuddle hormone or the love hormone. It's like the Valentine's day hormone, you know, nice. like this is, this is when it's released, it creates trust and generosity and closeness and bonding. Um, it actually comes from a Greek word that means swift birth. And what mm-hmm. people used to do back in the days, you had these midwives, that would um, uh, put ice on. Um, I don't know if I could say this, but Go but this it. is what they would do. They put ice on the, the the nipples of the woman giving birth, and that would release more oxytocin. And so, oxytocin would pr- provide a, a smoother birthing uh, process and make Crazy. make the birthing process go smoother when you when, when you release more oxytocin. And so, um, and also, uh, not only that, but it creates a bond between the mother. And the child, and then when a mother is breastfeeding, there's oxytocin there, so the baby is bonding with um, the mother, and mother bonding with the baby. It's really cool, but but during sex, this is also released, and it creates a major, major bond. and And the part of the brain where this is released is called the deep limbic system, and the woman's part of the brain. Uh, where this is released is larger than in a man. So when when a guy and a gal are uh, having sex, um, or even just fooling around or whatever, more of this bonding chemical is released in a woman than is in a man's. So, so I've done, I've read all this like scientific studies, uh, peer-reviewed research, and and everybody says the same thing that more chemicals released in a woman than is in a man. And what's fascinating about that is, you know, I started thinking about the implications of that. I started thinking about why do women stay with men who beat them? Yeah. Why do women, you know, like like stay with that guy who's not good for them? And I think perhaps one of the reasons is because they create more of this bond with their partner than the guy does. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes after a breakup, sometimes the woman is moping around a lot longer than the guy. And we go, you know, like sometimes the guy's like, hey, just get over it, man. We're done. Whatever. But because there is that sexual bond there. There is a deeper bond between the woman and and the man simply because of this this chemical element that's going on there, and that's just the scientific side of stuff. We could get into one flesh and all that, but yeah. um, I'll leave it at that for now. Man, that is that's crazy. <laughs> oh, you didn't know about oxytocin? Well, 
Kind it's, it's the cuddle you know. hormone. <laughs> I know about it now. Valentine's Day hormone. Yeah. <laughs> That's why so, so many babies are born in November, you know, nine months after Valentine's Day. Oh. <laughs> Dang it. I was, an, I was an October baby. Yeah. Now, You're now a, you got me thinking the, the, the wrong direction. But, <laughs> so what about things like masturbation? Is that same chemical released then too? Like, yep. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So here's this crazy, like there's this Ted talk where I love Ted talks. Um, and, uh, this guy had a, a, a vial full of oxytocin and he sprayed it in the audience. Oh. Um, yeah. Somehow they could extract this chemical from your brain. I don't know. I'm not no scientist, but yeah. they, uh, just Google Ted talk oxytocin spray. I don't know, whatever, but, but it, but it's released during a hug. It's released released during a kiss. It's released yes during masturbation. Masturbation. It's released during uh, oral sex. It's it's released all this time, but huh. it's released most heavily during um, uh, uh, sexual intercourse. Man, so like you could uh, risk the cell yourself like a major addiction there, if you know getting carried away. Yeah, because isn't because isn't dopamine or what? It, what's the other? Yeah. That when the dopamine's released, it's almost like the same effect. That it's that's why it's called dope. Yeah, yeah. Like when you when you absolutely because and that's why porn is so devastating at an early age because you know I think three of us I think we're all pretty much the same age I'm guessing but but you know for us when we had to find porn you know we had to go our friend's dad's garage to find the Playboy magazines you know mm-hmm. um, and so so nowadays though porn is so uh, accessible and it's so fast paced and high energy and nonstop that it messes with the, the chemistry of our brain. So you have a 15 year old boy or a 15 year old girl looking at porn, it's messing up their brain chemistry and not letting their brain develop properly. This dopamine kicks in and goes, man, I really like this. And then, and then you want more of it, but, but it's not just the same old stuff. You want more and then you got to watch more risky, risque stuff, and more risque stuff, and more more uh, hardcore stuff to get that same feeling, that same excitement. And before you know it, all this early porn that you're watching is rewiring your brain. But also, this oxytocin is kicking in, and you're creating a bond with this fake image that you see on the other side yeah. of the screen. Not to mention, the other side of the screen might be somebody um, caught in the horrors of sex trafficking. Um, which is very likely. I was going to bring that up too, is how much does porn consumption fuel that? I mean, Uh, how much does it fuel what? How much does a porn consumption fuel, uh, sex trafficking by creating that demand? Oh oh, oh, yeah. Orange County. I mean, um, there's just this article that came out. Um, I don't know if the FBI put it out or if, um, uh, I think it was the National Center for Human Trafficking put it out. Um, but but um, Orange County is one of the most lucrative uh, counties in the United States for sex trafficking. People will come from all over the United States, especially all over California, even L.A. County. They'll come to Orange County because they make more money here um, in terms of sex trafficking. And it is horrendous uh, how much money is made out here. So what is interesting is you see these women on on film and all that stuff you know they're there lots of times there's alcohol involved drugs involved and they have to pretend that they're liking it sometimes there's you know control all this stuff you have no, you have no idea 
what is going on, but but more and more the studies and statistics are showing you that a lot of the porn industry is involved in sex trafficking. That's why I love your book and the awareness it brings, because you bring a story uh, from right here in Detroit, which we're recording from Flint, Michigan, so it's just around the corner, and it's this little 15-year-old girl kind of gets targeted by this group of guys, and they uh, put something in her pop, drug her up, and rape her, and take photos of her, and blackmail her, and all, then, you know... Within months, she's part of this huge sex trafficking ring. Well, they take her out each night and have her sleep with several guys and make money off of her and make videos of her. And and it's just, it's it's absolutely horrendous and terrible. Like, Alex, you got a one-year-old daughter, man. There's a part of me... I don't, I don't even know how to respond. Everything, everything changes when you have a daughter. Absolutely. And... There's a part that where I've had, I've had nightmares that turned into me being the hero where somebody tried to take my daughter and I I went, I went Liam Neeson, and from Taken <laughs> yes. and like as yes. we can sit around and joke like that, but like there are girls that are legitimately in that that don't have a dad to come after them and rescue them, yeah, and it's just it's just heartbreaking and one of the reasons why this happens is like. With these men, like, and I, that's why I, I totally believe in the total depravity of man. Yeah. It, it These men could have just started off being these little boys that saw porn when they were 12 years old, and it just s- progressed over time. Yeah. It just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I think it's safe to say there definitely is a correlation between porn and sex trafficking. Um, because you, like I was saying earlier, you always want more, you want more yeah. and more and the dopamine hits your brain. It rewires your brain eventually, um, all this porn you're watching. And so it's destructive and, and, and it's important to know that sex trafficking is not something that's, that's over there in that country, but sex trafficking is right here in our own country, right here in the United States. And Orange County is a huge hub of sex trafficking all around us. And a great organization for anybody to go to is called the, the, Polaris Project. Yeah, I was just going to mention P-O- that. Yeah, P-O-L, P-O-L-A-R-I-S dot org. And uh, it's one of the, I think, probably the most, the leading nonprofit organization on uh, sex trafficking as far as I know. So I'd recommend anybody go to that website. Yeah, I'll include a link to it in our in our show description. But that had to be absolutely brutal in uh, writing this book and all the prep work and research of that. Like, we did... We did a, a small episode a while back on human trafficking and just was so depressed that day <laughs> yeah, of, of, yeah. of looking up all those stats and everything. It's just, it's kind of mind-blowing, but... Yeah, it really is. And there's a great ministry in Arizona called uh, Streetlight, Ministry, uh, Streetlight Ministries that we went and spent some time with, got to spend some time with some sex trafficking survivors these girls are, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 Man. years of age, and some of them been trafficked for years, but now they finally have a safe place. Um, and uh, but even within that, a lot of them escape, and um, and because they, that's all they know after a while, and um, it's devastating. So 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 my book is all about the purpose of sexual faithfulness, the vision of sexual faithfulness, but then the last chapter there really talks about what happens when sex is abused on a yeah. global scale yeah and i i appreciate that awareness that you had in that book too i think it should be included in, in all of them until we we yeah. do something about this yeah 
yeah, yep. it's yeah. I, I got nothing else to say about that. <laughs> we, we can edit this part. I'm just I'm still blown away by it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the things I want to get back to, Brian, is uh, going back to talking about uh, marriage. And as I mentioned, my wife and I, we got married when I was extremely young. And, uh, you know, I I want to say most of that was because, like I had mentioned, we already had sex. I mean, we just, we really loved each other. But we know so many couples who rushed right out of the gate almost shotgun style wedding the parents caught them and now you have to get married very legalistic background and all these couples got married young and there were so many problems that developed in the marriages if not divorce i mean early on yep and so one of the questions i want to ask you is because i'm kind of seeing the same thing play out years later where you have a couple maybe they're on their second marriage or one of them's on their second marriage and what do you think about the message coming from the pulpit? Like if you're living together, you need to get married. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it is so tough. It is so tough. I mean, you know, I wish, I mean, here's the deal the the, the studies studies show that when you live together before marriage, the, um, sorry, I keep going in and out. Oh, really? <laughs> Earthquake. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm in California. Um, the studies show that the more uh, that when you when a couple lives together before they're married, the uh, likelihood of divorce grows goes up drastically. And then on top of all that, the divorce rate is pretty close to 50 percent. I think it's like 40, 45 percent, something right around there. That's pretty high already. And then if you want to add on top of that, living together before you, know, you get married, you're just adding a recipe that. You know, so you're adding an ingredient into the recipe that is going to make that, you know, whatever you want, you're trying to bake or whatever, that, that's, it's just not going to work. You know, that's may not be the best analogy, but I think you get kind of what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. So the, the message from the pulpit, <clears throat> if you're living together, you might as well just get, get married. I mean, I, I think generally speaking, yeah, but I think you, you got to look at case by case scenario. Yeah. My thing is always getting underneath the surface, and that's really hard to do from the pulpit, you know. And I'm a, you know, I'm a preacher at heart, and you know, I preach all the time and share all over it. I love it, but it's really hard to get down underneath the surface when when you're preaching to an audience of a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand yeah. or fifty thousand or whatever you're speaking to. And so when I have students in my office here, I love you know talking to them when they're talking about you know their. Um, you know, whatever it is, that's just the surface stuff. I always try to go under the surface and say, okay, well, why? Because there's always a reason to why we do what we do. Why are you living with them? You know, and maybe there is something, some type of security that they've never had in their lives that that's bringing. Oh, okay. Well, once we know that, then we could touch base on that. And that's the real issue. It's not the issue of living with somebody and just to have sex with them. It's that there's this need in their life that has never been met so let's talk and deal with that one first, yeah. you know? And I think once you get to the core of issues, you you start having a better conversation. And a lot of this stuff just naturally flows. Um, and um, I had a, you know, I mean, I had this one girl a while back come to me and go, I'm a lesbian. And I go, okay. And I go, tell me what else about you. Yeah. And that started a year-long conversation you know, she would see a counselor, uh, and then she would she would come and chat with me, and and I, I would provide the pastoral counseling, and um, and we got to really get down like what is going on in, in your life that 
you know, and all, and so we, we had some great conversations about it, but I think she told that to me for shock value for all this. But once we got underneath the surface, there was so much more going on. Yeah. So Brian, let me ask you this question. So this is the science is in favor of, you know, waiting till you're married to have sex, to have, to have that connection with one person Without a doubt, yeah. Without a doubt, the science is there. the 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 statistics are there for for saying that hey, you have a better shot at having a long lasting, fulfilling marriage if you don't live together before yep. you're married. So why is it? This is going to sound super arrogant. Why is it that people took so long to figure out what God has been saying for thousands of years? <laughs> I, I know I that think, sounds super arrogant. That does sound no, arrogant. no, you're right. <laughs> I think because I think because we're selfish and we want to give in to our desires, and um, and I think because we're selfish, I really do. And and I'll, I'll remind me to come back to this thought, but but just to go back to what to what God says. One of the most powerful passages about this comes in Genesis 2, where God says that you'll leave your father and mother, and the two of you will be united, become one flesh. The word one flesh is is the, the Hebrew word ekad basar. Uh, basar is flesh, and, and ekad is is one. Um, but I only know like three Hebrew words, and those are two of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Brian's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I am fluent in Hebrew. No, I got this from a Hebrew scholar named Chimper Longman, and I was having lunch with him, talking to him about this idea. He's written like most, in pretty much any Old Testament textbook he's written. Um, and so uh, we're having lunch, and he said, he said, there's something significant going on here. He's all, and so what's going on is this, is that the word one, is not just one, like, you know, just one. It's 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 unity within the one. So, for example, when the Bible says that all of Israel cried out in one voice, it's not saying that like Moses or Joshua got everyone in you know a line like a hundred thousand Israelites. All right, in the count of three, let's all yell. No, the idea, um, you know, that they cried out in one voice was that they 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 made a declaration that there is unity within that declaration that they were making. Um, and that's, and when we use the word, you know, the phrase like the Trinity, one God revealed in three persons, a uh, very challenging topic to, to wrap our heads around, but there's unity within the one there. So he says, we look at this phrase here, one flesh, Akkad Basar, and there's a, uh, this, he saw this phrase is never used in the Hebrew Bible ever, um, ever again, other than in this one place. So that's, that's significant but then you have this 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 unity going on here this one flesh one is a cod flesh is bizarre it's like flesh and bones and skin and all that and he goes there's that there's a bonding on a physical level there's a bonding on a uh on a on an emotional level and then there's a bonding on a spiritual level and so what's even What's even more fascinating is that the greater context is like this is a marriage context. This is this is you know um, a marriage context. It's almost as if the writer of Genesis is saying that that the only force that can contain sex is marriage. Um, it is a is a powerful passage from the very beginning on this gift of sex. And I think that's what we have to remember is that sex is a gift from God. He designed it. He gave it to us. He said, enjoy it, you know, like, 
man, this, he gave it to us. But what happened? Well, we doubted God's goodness. We doubted that God wanted what's best for us. So we, humanity, Adam and Eve, took the fruit, ate from the fruit, sent into the world, changed everything. And now, you know, the world is not how God originally intended it to be. So so we go back to the, the, the Garden of Eden of the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil. And I think the real issue is, does God have our best in mind? So, so back to the question I think that you're getting at or that you asked that. What I was trying to get at is this, is that we... We don't listen to God because sometimes we doubt that God has what's best in mind for us. We doubt God's goodness. We doubt that God has so much more in store for us so that then we go and do whatever it is we want to do. And and if we want to talk about freedom, freedom is not doing whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, with whoever we want to do it. Freedom is living how God has designed us to live. And when we do that, that's when we start living life. And as Jesus says in John 10, life to the fullest. Yeah. That's what makes, like, for me, you talk about the bracelet on your wrist and as silly as that was in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but to me, that that imagery is is there of I'm, I'm waiting for something better, a future wife. I don't even know what she looks like, but I'm, I'm waiting, you know? Yeah. And to me, that, that goes along with, with, what you've been saying this whole time is this, uh, it's almost like this, uh, this hope, this good news. You, you don't know what God's going to do for you, but you're just trusting in him. Yeah. You're just trusting him. And you got all the access to anything you want here on the surface. I mean, if you wanted a girl, you could get a girl. Like you just could, but you're, you're saying, you're saying, no, I'm going to trust God in this. I'm going to, I'm going to wait. And, To me, it's it's kind of that uh, exercising that self control. I was talking to my wife, uh, uh, Dan Taylor, uh, a comedian uh, who we had on our porn episode. He he was saying he was asking us, so how are we going to have that sex talk with our with our boys? You know, and <laughs> yeah, that's something I want you to hit on in a minute. But she was going right. ba- back to an article that um, she had read of uh, Jamie, the very worst missionary. Oh yeah, I like her. Yeah, I know. We absolutely love her. And she was talking about having this talk with with her boys and talking about self-control. Yeah. And putting the emphasis there because self-control is this like fruit of the spirit that is continually at work in your life regardless of what the substance may be. I mean, you Yeah. you name it and there's a pretty good chance you need to exert some sort of self-control. Um, with it. And sex is one of those because the temptation to sin, the temptation to have sex with other people doesn't end miraculously after you get married. It still exists. And if you don't, if you don't exercise that self-control, it goes back to the video with your wife that you're talking about, how, how she has this more of this confidence in you. Like, no, you're not going to run around and cheat on her because you've demonstrated for 15 years (laughs) this uh, (laughs) self-control and trust in God. And and what's been born out of that is this beautiful um, relationship that has boundaries. But like you said, there's more freedom within those boundaries. Absolutely, Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, long way around to get to the question, but but what would you suggest? What would you add to that sex talk we're going to have with our children? <laughs> well, my, <laughs> golly. Well, 
I'm right there with you guys because I got two daughters, and uh, I always jokingly say I'm never, you know, they can't talk to a boy, and they're never going to leave the house, and yeah, <laughs> all of that stuff. And obviously, I know, like, you know, that's impossible. But um, my, I, I got two other books in the works um, in terms of like in my mind, anyways. Yeah. One is a, is a new approach to spiritual development. We've been doing a lot of research on this with my buddy, a PhD, which is really exciting stuff we got going on, but. But the second, uh, the other book, which is a follow-up to this book here, Everyone Loves Sex, So Why Wait? Um, the the follow-up to this book would be a book on how parents can talk to their kids about sex. Yeah. And so what I want to do is interview two to 5,000 millennials and say, hey, when did your parents talk to you about sex? What did they say? Um, how many times <laughs> did they talk you talking to two right now? Never. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to get some early research in. Really quickly and like, okay, I've got <laughs> that over with. <laughs> nice, yeah, so you, nice. got, you got two right there. So All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put that in there. <laughs> and then and then I want to ask, when was your first sexual experience? Yeah. And then when was the first time you had sexual intercourse? Um, and, and so I'm going to work with our psychology, College of Psychology here at Hope. Um, they don't know it yet, but they're going to work with me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, – and, <laughs> And I mean, I hope anyways, but yeah, so what I want to do is do this research, get two to 5,000 uh, students a- answering these questions and see that if there's a correlation between the talk, uh, the, the, how many times the talk happened and the correlation between their first sexual experience and then get all the data from this and then present uh, a book, a popular level book that will help parents have the talk. So that's, that's in the works, but, but obviously now what I'm saying the best thing to do with with kids is not just a one time talk, yeah. but to celebrate sex. I mean, you you look in the Jewish culture. Jewish culture celebrated sex. I mean, everyone knew that sex was a gift and sex was good. But now it's like so taboo. It's like can't say sex at home, can't yeah. say sex at church, whatever it is. Sex is a good thing. I mean, we shouldn't shy away from talking about sex. If it's a truly a gift from God, if that's really what it is, let's celebrate it. Let's not make it all icky and weird and all that stuff. Um, let's let's just talk real and just have that, you know, be part of the conversation that this is a wonderful thing and sex is great. It's a gift and let's celebrate it type thing. And I think once you normalize it in your house, then it frees your children up to talk to you about it because our children and I, you know, as a youth pastor for 13 years, so they're either going to, you know, get their information from the schoolyard, which, oh boy, (laughs) that is, oh, you don't even want that. Mm. Or they're going to get information about sex from mom and dad or the primary caregivers. So the question is, is what do you want? Where do you want the information to come from? I want to come from myself, yeah. you know, and, and my wife. And, and I want it to be just a normal conversation. I want her to my, – my daughters, I got two daughters, uh, three and a half going on, 16, and, um, <laughs> and, and nine months. And I love my girls to death. I love them to death. But I want them to be safe, to come to me and say, Dad, hey, I heard somebody talking about whatever it is, yeah. some ex- explicit term, whatever. What does that mean? And I want to be able to sit down and talk, sit down and talk with them about it and say, well, here's what it means. And here's what's going on. Um, as opposed to them getting bad information from the schoolyard. 
Yeah, so that kind of goes along with what Dan Taylor was talking about a little bit and where he was saying it's not just one conversation, it's a bunch of little conversations. Yeah, yeah. And you have, kind of have this open dialogue, so. Yep, yep. Can we just admit, though, that's still weird? Like, like for me, like, there's still, like, that having to cross that precipice of being able, like, it's sex isn't icky between me and my wife, but, like, I remember when I was a little kid, like, if I knew my okay, if I knew my parents were having sex, I was like, ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too, yeah, me too. Man. I one, one time I did tell them to be quiet, and yeah. then I <laughs> <laughs> it got. Re- <laughs> I was like, be quiet! I got a hockey game tomorrow. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'm just messed up from being a little kid, and I don't know. Well, I think we're all a little tainted from our parents, regardless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think part of it is because we've had this tainted version of sin type yeah. deal. And, uh, uh, you know, it'd be interesting once I do this research what comes from it. But I really think we need to do a better job of celebrating sex. Um, I was reading – and what book was I reading? I think I was reading this book called Kosher Sex. <laughs> All right. by rabbi uh <laughs> rabbi so sex without pork good yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's called kosher. i see, what, I see kosher. what you did there <laughs> it, it is a legitimate amazing book it's called kosher sex i even quote it in my book um but he he, he would talk about you know there be these special nights i think every friday night or whatever they had the family over and this and that you have these special meals but the husband and wife would go upstairs and be with one another and everyone knew it and it was just a normal part and like ask mom and dad they love each other like this is they get to express this love that way and and in that culture it was a beautiful thing and for us that's totally like what the what is going on here yeah. and um and i think there's a lot for us to learn from that jewish culture um and i don't know i think we just gotta normalize it and and celebrate it i know i i totally agree with you but it's really hard when i got alex sitting next to me here giggling at everything we said. <laughs> all right kids we're gonna go make you a little brother or sister <laughs> i'm sorry that's where my mind goes <laughs> anyway uh you got anything you got anything else for brian before we head yeah out? i got one more point slash question okay and mine goes back to um, you. You brought it up the rose petal story, and it's kind of—I don't know if it's funny or ironic or whatnot—but I was listening to um, our friends over at the Method Theology podcast, and they were—they brought up that story, and we're like, "How brutal um, to to have somebody say that the who would want this girl, and she's she's worthless." And they and they were yeah. saying Jesus wants that girl, and yeah. and then yeah. I I heard um, I was listening to the sermon on your website, and then you brought it up here in the podcast. I'm like, oh, that's the guy. <laughs> I was like, oh no, but like I I really really admire your willingness. This is one of the things that I look for in pastors is to admit that I was wrong. That, you know, yeah, I said something stupid. And if I could go back in time, I wish I could punch myself in the face. (laughs) And so I'm wondering, at at what point did you change your mind? Or at what point did that turn for you? Is there anything that stands out specifically? Or You know what? I think it was gradual over time. And I think something dawned on me that I started, it was more of a shaming theology. Yeah. And I had no idea at the time. And if I did, there's no way in a million years I would have done that. I, I, I think just reading more 
and learning more and being open. Um, I read a lot. I, I like listening to podcasts when I can. I like, you know, talking to people. I mean, but I think over time I realized this is more of a sh- shaming theology. Yeah. And just looking back at all the things I did wrong that I would do differently now after all this research I've done. So I think just over time it kind of just developed into like, oh, man, you messed that up big time. There's other things I messed up too, but that that was one of the bigger ones. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think that that um, your willingness to admit that and and you say kind of turn from that shaming theology, I think it gives your book a whole new, fresh uh, quality of redemption. Mm, and it's kind of like you. it's kind of like man, if I didn't learn those hard lessons, like you you probably like had to wear egg on your face or, or oh, whatnot. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I mean. We've already done that with our podcast. You know, you say something and it's in space and, yep, you know, yep. and you can go and correct it. But what's, you know, you already offended somebody. So what's the chance they're going to hear your yep. apology or rebuttal or anything? So that's why I, I wanted to give you another opportunity here on our podcast to say that, because I think it really did shape your entire your entire, and I could be wrong, by that, but I could see it weave throughout, you know, the sample book that you gave us. And that's, Thanks. that's one of the things I really appreciate about your book. No, thank you so much. And, and I, I mean, I'm just, I, I have a heart for students and a heart just for people in general that, that if we really believe the message of the cross and that God brings redemption and love and restoration, um, this is how we, we need to live. Our words need to be like this. Our words need to bring redemption and restoration and love. And when that happens, man, we start seeing God work in powerful ways through yeah. us. And um, and that's exciting to be a part of. Yeah, Absolutely. see, that's what I love, too, about that story is that taking the broken girl and making something beautiful out of it again, that whole yeah. restoration. Absolutely. It's incredible. All right, so your book... Everyone loves sex, so why wait? By the time mm-hmm. this by the time this podcast comes out, which will hopefully be later this week, the book will already be out. Yeah, where, where can people find it? So people, um, if they just want to go straight to Amazon, they could get it there. Just go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble. If you have the Nook thing, you get on Barnes and Noble. Have the Kindle, go on Amazon. Or if you want to buy the hard copy, buy on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. It's it's so weird. Like I put it online. Or my publisher uh, got it out, and then uh, and then all of a sudden there's all these other like retail stores like on on through Amazon selling it. I'm like, this is crazy, you know? That's um, cool. Uh, Lifeway Christian Bookstores recently picked it up, so uh, you should be able to get it there. Um, uh, what else? I mean, so yeah, so so the other place is just go to my website, which is everyonelovesex.org, and. Um, and it's it's clean, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> EveryoneLovesSex.org. Go to Amazon. Go to Barnes and Noble. Just type in "Everyone Loves Sex" um, in the Amazon and Barnes and Noble search tool, or you can just go to my website, EveryoneLovesSex.org. And there's links to everything, and then there's videos talking more about these topics that we've kind of touched a little bit on uh, now. And then the next two or three weeks, there's going to be more videos and even more radio spots coming up. And then probably a month from now, I'll have small group curriculum that people can get as well to to have small group discussions about each chapter. That awesome, is awesome. Man. Well, I don't know about you, Alex, but my main takeaway is next time the wife's pregnant, we're going to put ice cubes on her nipples and release <laughs> that oxytocin and get that baby out of there. I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs>
<laughs> you are a ridiculous human being. <laughs> Tell her that. Tell her that. And I want to know what her response is. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much. My co-host is an idiot. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Jason, did you hear him right? Kosher sex. <laughs> I can't get over that term. Oh, we're all, trying to have like these. All I think about is a husband and wife laying in bed together and they just say, no, let's put the bacon away. <laughs> I don't know why. I my, that's where my brain goes. Mine goes to Kogel hot dogs and serve the curve. <laughs> oh, so bad. And for, only for people those in don't, Michigan. Don't, yeah, for those that don't know, Kogel Hot Dog is a hot dog brand here in Michigan. And it's good. And their slogan is, serve Sur- the curve. And I, <laughs> I have a t-shirt that says that. Dude, I found it at Salvation Army. We, I feel, okay, here, here we can't do sex episodes anymore because know, we giggle like, we're too we giggle like girls. But you know what? That brings up a good point. Oh. We have a whole month. The month of May is our women's celebration month yeah we're celebrating women and it's gonna be awesome yes all women guests yep and hopefully so this is another big ask for us if you're a female out there that has been kind of you know sitting on the fence about recording a not your pastor's pulpit this is your month to record an episode or to record your sermon or story so that we can share it during the month of women yeah and and two i've also opened it up if you want a guest blog and post your blog on through our website, we would be honored to have you. And so one of the things that we're going to be talking about as we celebrate women is we're going to be looking at the definition of what is a Christian feminist, Alex. That is something like, because my wife is a feminist. I just, I just shivered a little bit. That term, yeah. that term is so much baggage. You hear that word and it's kind of scary, but my wife is a Christian feminist and I've learned so much from her. And one of the things that I'm like, I'm kind of celebrating my wife in a way and letting her know that she's not alone, which is why I've lined up, why we've lined up these guests that are going to come on. And I'm so pumped to kind of help us define what it means to be a feminist. Because when I hear them talk, I'm like, dang it, I think I'm a Christian feminist. Hmm. Like, I want all the same things they want. And so, like, I'm really hoping that through each episode, we really learn. That's what I'm really looking forward to learning and giving them space and uh, a place where they can preach through our pulpit, a place where they can write on our website, or, or just be a guest on our podcast and learn. Yeah, That's what I'm absolutely. looking forward to. It's going to be a great month. I'm really looking forward to it. And um, Giggle like girls, Alex. Giggle like girls. I mean, hey, it's been said before. It hasn't been said yet in our reviews, but some people have brought it up that we giggle like girls. Really? Yeah. I'm Ooh. not going to name any names. You're but not going to? I want to know. They might live upstairs in my house. Your wife? <laughs> Shana? We giggle like girls. Anyway, guys. Giggle. I'm so, sorry. No, I got to say this real quick, what? Alex. Our pastor in his sermon last Sunday said duty four times. <laughs> and I nearly lost it each time. <laughs> this is what we've become. I'm looking over at Jess and I'm like counting down. Like <laughs> when he said it the fourth time, I held up a big like four with my hand. <laughs> what was the sermon about? 
It was about Jesus or something. <laughs> no, you can't even think about what the sermon was, <laughs> it was about. A Palm Sunday sermon. Oh, Alex, yeah. But you can only preach that sermon so many times. Talking about a Roman soldier and what their duties were. <laughs> he just kept saying duty, and I'm trying so hard not to laugh. <laughs> so here's the thing, Jason. You know what isn't a duty? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Let me start over. Let me start over. You just said duty. You remember that old commercial? So anyway, guys, if you can stand us giggling like girls, uh, we got some great episodes coming out. But again, we had a fantastic time with Brian Sands. His book is out now. Please go buy it on Amazon or go buy it for your Kindle or your just your device and just read it and be a part of this discussion of sexual faithfulness. Yeah, especially with your children. Like, this is a good book for your children to to, to read, but it also talks a whole Wait, lot about... Wait, hold on a second. You want kids to read this book? Yeah. I think that's who it's written for. Like, like adult kids? Well, yeah, like high schoolers types. Okay. Because when, and, I say, when and, you say, when you say kids, no, I, I think little like kids. My, my eight-year-old is not going to read this book, Alex. Okay, there's no pictures. <laughs> there's no pictures... <laughs> Showing you how to be sexually Thank faithful. God, there's, <laughs> there's just two people. Just pictures of X. Like no, just it's not. a picture of Brian and his bracelet. Just a picture of his wrist. Oh my gosh, this this thing is just falling off the rails yes, so quickly. It is. But go buy the book, and you know what? There's a whole lot about redemption too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a huge theme. And Not it, just in the book, yeah. but in Brian's life. That When you brought up the rose petal story again at the end of the interview, so good, dude. Yeah, I think that's big. I think that's a big part of his I love when pastors learning. do that. Yo, yeah. They admit their shortcomings. Because they're just people. Yeah. That's that's how we get away from pastor worship right there. Absolutely. Is when they are willing to admit their faults. But, guys, you know the drill. Yeah. At the end of every episode, mm-hmm. we got to tell you, you go to the social medias. Yeah, Facebook. You go to the Facebook. You go to the Instagram. You go to the Twitter, which our Twitter's lighting up like crazy, I feel like, lately. Yeah, I got to say this, Lots though. Lots of great discussion. Subscribe. Subscribe to our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge because, I mean, it's like if you're going to subscribe to our podcast, you'll get them our podcast like immediately and whatever automatically platform you choose to use be it soundcloud itunes google play stitcher Stitcher. Uh uh-huh jinx (laughs) i just pulled the jinx on you you're a jerk it's time to to wrap this thing up and go home alex it is time to wrap it up so jason we got to talk about it because we talk about it at the end of every episode Mm -hmm. yeah we said farewell to the joe lewis arena this this week yeah, what was your... Uh, can I ask this real quick? Alex? Yeah, for what sure. What was your favorite moment at the Joe? Oh, man. Do we got time for this? Yeah, we do. We got time. So my my mom and my sister were going to the Fox Theater to see Celtic women. You know what that's about? No. It's just these women, they're Celtic, and they play instruments, and they sing songs. It's dumb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad and I were like, all right, let's see if we can try and get standing room at a Wings game. Nice. And so we go to the box office mm-hmm. at the Joe. They got nothing. It's a sold out game. And so we're, we get on the bus and we're like, I don't know what we're going to do. We went to Chelios's Chili Bar, hung out there. And then we were on the bus getting back to our car. And my dad was basically telling the, the bus driver the story. And he drives around to the back of the Joe. Nice. 
the security guard gets on the bus. They're friends with the, the bus driver and the security guard. And the security guard looks at my dad and says, you take care of my friend here. I'll get you into the game. Oh, that is so cool. And so my dad slips him a 20. Yeah. And we got into the game. And, you know, even though a, a Joe game will be sold out, there's always like little seats yeah. here and there. Yeah. So we were able to find a seat. We watched the wings just kick the butt of some just, you know, lesser team. And that it was so awesome. Cool. It's a, a memory my dad and I will always have. We always talk about. What about you? Oh, uh, mine is the Red Wings are playing the Avalanche, and it is the Western Conference Finals, and it's well, it's the early two thousands when they won the Cup there. And, uh, and, 02? Yep, in O two, and it's the Western Conference Finals. It's Game One, and we wanted to go to this game so bad, and my uh, buddies, my buddy Anton, his mom's like. Um, well, I can get you guys tickets. And I'm like, no, you can't get tickets. It's the Red Wings. It's the playoffs. It's the Avalanche. There's no way you're getting tickets. And then she comes back the next day with two standing room tickets. And dude, Alex, we go to this game and I'm looking down at the ice there at the Joe and there's Iserman, Fedorov, Shanahan, Lidstrom, Chelios, and Hashik lined up against Forsberg, Sackick, Hayduke, Foot, Ray Bork, and Patrick Waugh. It might as well be the Battle of Armageddon, like at the end of the Bible. Oh my goodness! And there was so much tension in the building; you could just feel it. And, and like, Iserman is Jesus. And it was just like watching like Forsberg. Like I hated Forsberg with a passion, but he walked around Lidstrom and Chelios like they were a pylon, and I was like, "Holy crap, that dude's got game!" And Darren McCarty ended up scoring a hat trick. And the place just was electric, and it was nuts. And the building with its tiny, small little concourses mm-hmm. and, you know, the urinal troughs and just the terrible smell. But That's it's the just, one thing I'm going to miss about the Joe. It is- was decorated like my bedroom, man. <laughs> There's just so much memorabilia just popped, like, just packed in everywhere. And that's what I loved about it. It was just this, like, you walked in and it was just, this was your team, and it was just Red Wings only from door to door. Absolutely. That's what I loved about it. I'm going to miss that place. So if if you if you could have one thing just plastered all over the outside of the new Red Wings stadium, what would that one thing be? Plastered all over the outside? Yeah, just, yeah, just they, they got it written everywhere on banners. What's the one thing you'd tell the boys and they, they, they would put it all over on posters everywhere? You know what, Alex? Just the redemptive quality of this episode and the hope that I want people to have and the message I want to resonate in the hearts of America. Always keep your stick on the ice. Well said. (laughs) 